I then started taking illegal steroids and it was just this, it's this culture that is so easy to get yourself like stuck in because it's, it's what we're taught our whole entire lives. My name is Ali Pintucci, and this is Unfiltered, the place where we leave the heavily filtered world of social media and talk about anything and everything uncensored. From girl talk to personal wellness, surviving breakups, and hilarious stories in between, join me as I navigate through adulthood with real, unfiltered conversations. Hello, hello, hello. It is Friday, which means you are listening to a brand new episode of Unfiltered with Ali. My name is Allie, and today we have episode five. I am so pumped. I've been so excited to release this episode with one of my favorite guests that I've recorded with. I'm going to be telling you a little bit about Mick. Um, she is on a mission to normalize normal bodies and help women find the courage to speak their truth and the confidence to love themselves at any size. She's the owner and founder of the Rose Retreats, Health Undefined, Common, and the hashtag Normalize Normal Bodies. I'm excited to have her on today because I feel like we've had this this internet soul sister connection for the past little bit. And weirdly enough, we have dogs that are like almost like twins. It kind of freaks me out watching it. So we dive into a lot of things today. We're going to be talking about unrealistic beauty standards. We're going to be talking about unsolicited advice. We're going to be talking about acne. We're going to be talking about um, mixed scandal with TikTok and the update on that. So we're unpacking a lot today. And if you have any questions, feel free to send me an email. Feel free to send me a DM. And of course, if you have not left a review for the podcast yet, please go to iTunes, leave a review. I can't wait to read them all. Let's kick this one off. Hey. Hi. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Um, just craziness. I know you're in Canada, so like just the political angst in the U.S. is is pretty heavy right now because election day is tomorrow. Um, but other than that, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, I'm in the Pacific Northwest. So like Vancouver would be same weather as Seattle or Portland kind of ish. And we don't really necessarily get like winters, but we get lots of rain and we're in that transitional season where I'm like the sun's out today. And I'm just like, oh my God, yes. Like take it in. Cause I get super depressed. And since we can't travel, I'm getting like extra antsy because usually I just escape to LA. Mm-hmm. Can't do that right now. No, we can't. Unfortunately, <laughs> we cannot. Um, <laughs> so, I, we have a lot of things that I want to talk to you about today, but it's weird finally having a conversation with you because I feel like I know you. Oh, I know. It's like we we've just been friends our whole lives. It's yeah. weird. It's a weird feeling. <laughs> it's a weird feeling, and. Um, Michaela and I got dogs kind of around the same time. I think you got a dog a few months before I did. And it's weird how similar they are. Like I'll be watching her stories and I'll be like, Charles. Yes. And I'll be like, wait, is that blue? No, that's Charles. Like they're so charismatic. They're mm -hmm. such energetic dogs. And I remember just like watching you train blue. And I'm like, girl, I feel you like leash in the house. Just like. Oh. Going, oh, speak of the devil. <laughs> the first thing I want to go through with you 
is I want you to actually like take us through the journey of your story because you have a very, very unique story and a really raw and vulnerable one, but it's also helped shape like who you are today and your mission and your purpose in terms of like you existing as a business and a person. Yeah. Um, my story is my business, you know, and I think it makes it so much more personal because it is like who I am. Um, so in, in that sense, I would say my business really started when I was like, the story started when I was five, when I, um, picked up a soccer ball for the first time. And I loved it with my whole entire being. And when I was uh, around 17, I was a nationally ranked soccer player. I had D1 offers and um, I also had three, four knee surgeries at the time. And um, what I didn't know was that I had also accumulated a lot of concussions. So it wasn't until I got four bad uh, TBIs, traumatic brain injuries, that I started to notice differences. And I, I went to mm. the neurologist and um, he, was, he was like, yes, you have um, post-concussive syndrome. And so I was like, okay, that, like, that's not a big deal. I'm still going to play. And he was like, okay, as long as you, you know, take your time and, and whatnot. And I'm just letting you know that if you get another really bad one, it could be bad. And I was like, okay, well, like, this is my life. Like it was what I lived and breathed for. It was, it was my team was my family. It was all I knew. Um, I didn't have any school friends or anything like that because I was so immersed in what I was good at. And that's what you'll notice throughout my whole entire story. I'm I'm a very all or nothing person. I'm a, I'm an extreme person. I have an addictive personality. Um, and that can be like great and also terrible. <laughs> it's my strength and my big, it's my biggest strength and my biggest weakness. Um, and so I ended up getting a very, very severe concussion after that. And I had to go through, um, brain therapy and it was, severe enough that I had forgotten a lot of my friends at, at school. And I had to relearn how to remember to eat and brush my teeth. I had to learn how to relearn a lot of those things. And um, I ended up having to uh, lose my career as a soccer player. And that was very traumatic emotionally because my future just had completely like it was like it was ripped away from me mm -hmm. and through that whole process I uh I wasn't really sure if I was going to be held back I wasn't really sure um you know what what my future was going to hold and um I ended up having to quit soccer and 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 just not have that part of my life anymore and I went into a deep and dark depression um, because of the post-concussive syndrome and also because of losing that. And I tried to find my identity in something else. And so that's when I met um, my boyfriend at the time. And 
I had lost my identity with soccer and I tried to find my new identity in anything that I could find. I was just searching because I didn't know how to find myself. And when it's, it's not great regardless to put your all or nothing into a boyfriend or a partner. Um, but that's all I knew. So um, it turns out that he started to isolate me and he started to show signs of, of abusive relationship and abusive tendencies, but I didn't know any of the signs. I wasn't mm-hmm. taught that. Um, and especially with like movies and, and shows, all of the things that he was showing me were, were things that I would see on movies and TV shows that represented love. And wow. so I thought everything was so right. I was like, he's, he's obsessed with me. He loves me. He, he loves me enough to um, want to spend all his time with me. But in reality, he was isolating me from my friends and my family. And he was telling me that I really didn't have any other option other than him. And, and I codependent. So you're like in it. Yes. And um, that I, I did, I thought it was like the only option. And I was in that relationship for four years. And um, the kind of abuse that I went through was called intimate terrorism, where they use all forms of abuse, whether it be reproductive coercion, physical abuse, financial abuse, um, men- mental and emotional abuse all of the above. Um, and I developed Stockholm syndrome from that. And throughout that four years, I was also dealing with um, orthorexia and bulimia because I didn't have any control over my life. And so I tried to gain control through things that were easy to gain control of, which was my body and how I ate um, and how much I exercise. And, um, so I, that was like my unhealthy outlet, but what I thought was healthy at the time. And so I started losing a bunch of weight because after playing, uh, after quitting soccer, um, I had gained a lot of weight because athletes are eating a lot and I didn't know how to, like, I didn't know how to adapt. My, my life was just so out of control. I didn't know what was going on. And, um, it was, the whole process was traumatic. And so when I thankfully left him four years later, um, I, I went to India and I lived in India for six months and I tried to heal myself with like, if I'm, this is like such a, uh, like people with who have had eating disorders and people who are currently with an eating disorder get what I'm saying that I thought I was curing my bulimia by not purging. And so I didn't, I didn't understand that that was binge eating. And so I was, I was really, really just trying to cope with everything. And, and it just wasn't working alone in a third world country where I was just I I was trying so hard to to take all of the culture in in India because I was hiking the Himalayan mountains and backpacking for six months and 
when I had gotten back, I saw myself in the mirror for the first time and I had gained 70 pounds. Um, and that alone is traumatic, you know, like, so from that point on, because I was like, you, you were, know what? you were binging, but you weren't throwing yeah. up. So it was cured yeah. like in your mind. Yeah. In my mind. Um, but I was still obsessed with food and I was still obsessed with my body and how I looked. And I, I decided that the cure was to lose weight the healthy way. I thought that I was again, curing myself, but in reality, I was just starting the cycle again. Um, but I thought it was healthy. So I started uh, getting coaches, weight loss coaches, and then fitness, social media started to become a thing. And I saw that I wanted the, the acceptance of others in that way, because it's, people saw me that way, then maybe I would think of myself that way as well. doesn't really work out that way. I found. <laughs> and you um, find that like subconscious justification. You're like, well, I lost weight the healthy way. I'm living this new lifestyle. I'm inspiring. Like I've been, I've been there multiple times, mm-hmm. but I've also been on both sides multiple times, including where I'm at now, where I'm just like, if I'm not that identity, I'm a fucking failure. But the problem yep. is that my identity, the problem is my thought process and my patterns. Yeah. Yep. And it like exactly what you said. It was it and and it just keeps happening over and over again. And your weight keeps fluctuating over and over again. And you're like, what am I doing wrong? I'm doing everything that the internet and Pinterest and Instagram is telling me <laughs> to do. And then the lot like logic is so like it's just not in our heads. <laughs> We're not taught to, to pay attention to our body. We're taught to pay attention to people that aren't professionals that are just capitalizing off of our insecurities. And I started to immerse myself within the social media world because I wanted to, to have those affirmations about my body from other people. And that's what happened. I started losing weight. I, I got coaches and I started to teach people how to behave around food and exercise the way that I was behaving because I thought weight loss equaled happiness, which isn't, the tr- it's not true. And um, through that, I was hiding so much. I was Photoshopping my, my pictures. I was so sad on the inside. And because I was sad and because of the belief that I thought weight loss was happiness, I pushed myself harder. And that just led me to go through more extreme ups and downs. And that's exactly what happened. I would fluctuate so much to the point that um, I would restrict and, and think that if I overate something that day, I needed to like eat less than I did the day before and exercise more and then go on two a days and do cardio in the morning, lifting at night. And I then started taking illegal steroids. And it was just this, it's this culture that is so easy to get yourself like stuck in because it's, it's what we're taught our whole entire life. Like I said, from movies and TV shows, whether it be about relationships or or how, like what the beauty standard is. And we'll go at any length to get that short-term gratification because we're taught that short-term gratification is the long-term gratification because they don't tell you the truth. They just want money. <laughs> um, 
And so I hit rock bottom and that's like, that's when my recovery started. I moved home and I just gave my entire life to healing myself. And then it's been two, two and a half years since then. And I'm the happiest I've ever been. That is wild. And you're how old now? 24. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> my friends when and I you're... always joke, um, to just saying that I've lived multiple lives and I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It's like, we all have, we all have fuck ups and we all have stories and it doesn't matter how old you are. I'm starting to just go back to the simplicity of like now micro choices, even the coaches that I work with, I'm like, I'll have a bad day, a bad week. And I'm like, fuck, I need to do all these extremes. I need to do this, this, this. And I'll like create this massive calendar of everything that I have to do. And my new current coach, she's like, no, like for the next four days, can you just get that, like not sleep with your phone and wake up, not look at it and meditate. Can we just like baby steps? Like, can you just wake up and decide like, how do you want to move your body today? I've had to, I, (laughs) my, my fitness slash, I don't want to call it a fitness journey. My personal body journey is crazy extensive. I, uh, competitively danced when I was a kid, I was in a dance program in high school. I played very high level volleyball, like provincial level volleyball. And then I didn't end up going to university, took a gap year, started traveling, started working full time, like dove into this high stress, like high, like very demanding jobs at a very young age, but I also didn't live at home. I also didn't really have rules. And I also lived in Toronto, like a big city where you could party seven nights a week. And I did that. Mm -hmm. I partied, I ate badly. I drank a lot. I did drugs. I did all this stuff and I put on a good amount a good amount of weight. And it's interesting. I think of my confidence level back then versus now. And I was way more confident because I didn't notice it. I didn't see it. I was just happy. I just did my thing. And then similar to you, I kind of went into a bit of a, I went into a, a very depressive state. And then I went traveling, I came home and it was the first time I noticed someone had made a comment about my weight. Like I started to feel it. Um, But it was someone close to me that made a comment about like the number on the scale. And they were like, whoa, that's really heavy. And I was like, oh, it's just my perception. Yeah. And the number on a scale similar to my BMI has always been a soft subject for me, mainly because I've always been extremely muscular. Like a few years ago, I was at my absolute fittest at 19% body fat as a female, not as a professional athlete. And my BMI would still tell me that I was fat. Mm-hmm. BMI is bullshit. It's, it's not even, just... it, it literally should not even be practiced. It's that bad because it's not, it's so false. <laughs> it, yeah. I just remember like, how old was I then? 23 maybe. So now I'm noticing my weight differently. And now I'm noticing that I have, have behaviors differently didn't know at the time that I was a binge eater. But now in hindsight, I'm like, oh, fuck, I have binge eating disorder. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. But you don't know mm-hmm. all these things. And then I moved to Vancouver. Uh, that was seven years ago. And um, I think I was about like 215 pounds at the time. And I was super unhappy and I was very unmotivated, but I moved to a city where I didn't know anyone. So I said, okay, you are going to commit to eating better and you're going to commit to moving your body 30 minutes a day. Like you have 30 minutes, you can do it. And I started doing it and all the weight started coming off and I lost about 60 pounds in the span of like four or five months. And I started from doing at-home workouts to then moving into a gym space to then at the time I got really, I fell in love with CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting and I found my sport. I was like, I'm so good at this. I am so strong. I was so fit. Started seeing a personal trainer. Like I just had the most amount of fun exercising and I felt good. Um, also acknowledging at the time, I still thought I was fat. So I read this meme or meme style quote the other day that was like, you ever look back at your picture and you're like, oh, I wish I was like, quote unquote, like that big. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like, that just goes to show it's never about the weight. It's about it's how, about the weight. It's about how you feel inside. Because at the time I wasn't happy, but now I would kill to be that level of unhappy. <laughs> yep. And it's yep. a constant nasty game. And then I was blessed with the back injury and that knocked me, that knocked me out. It's chronic. It's been almost three years since that injury came. And I gained about half my weight back. I gained 30 pounds and I was fucking devastated. I had no self-worth. I had so much shame. It carried through into my relationship at the time. And also had codependency issues. And then guess who dumped me? My ex. Because I don't blame him. Like if I'm not happy with who I am at that time and I just, I wasn't, I wasn't myself anymore, but I had no appetite Mm -hmm. for six weeks. I was working out twice a day. I dropped 20 pounds in six weeks. And all of a sudden it was just like, oh, my worth is back. Guess who feels good? And then I got blessed with being diagnosed with PCOS, which I started openly speaking about on (laughs) my page. And uh, PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome for anyone listening. And it's very common in women. It's like one in every 10 women are diagnosed with this. Blessing and a curse. Um, Blessing is that it can be managed. Curse is that it's can't be cured. And it can be highly frustrating for women to actually figure out what works for them to manage it. And for me, I found out that I was insulin resistant. And I also, uh, so I was, I put on about 20 pounds in less than two months and my face exploded with cystic acne that I could not get rid of It fully scarred my face. And I've been dealing with that for two and a half years. This journey. Do we have the same story? Do we have the same story? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think that's the point of what I'm trying to say is that everyone has a story that's the underlining similarities is that we're trying to find happiness through external things that we think define us, but they don't. And it's not an easy story or journey or path to figure out. I think it's super interesting when people ask me to guest on their podcasts or speak on something. They're like, can you speak about self-love? And I'm like, why the fuck do you want me to speak on self-love? Like I haven't figured it out. <laughs> like I'm in the thick of this journey. I'm 30 years old. And you know, I hate the word self-love. I really do. 
and I, I'm, I'll be open and candid about that because like, I, when I hear the word self-love, I just hear the generic definition and what so many people think it is. And that's like a destination and it's not a destination. Like when people tell you to love yourself, I get pissed. Like, don't tell me what to do. I don't like, <laughs> I, I don't have to love my body. You know, like I don't love my body right now. What are you going to do about that? <laughs> like, you can't just tell me to do something when I legitimately can't stop how I feel immediately in that moment. In reality, like self-love is just caring for your body and being kind to your body. And it's not a destination because you're still going to hate your body on some days, you know? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting journey. Funny one for me with this hormone thing, because the only message that I intuitively get sent is when are you going to learn to accept and love? Like surrender is my key word. Surrender is huge. Surrender is huge because man, when you were talking about what we know from industries, what we know from Instagram, what we know from influencers, what we like, what we are, sorry, what we think we know here I am busting my fucking ass. I get my meals delivered. I know what goes into my body. I know like the macros, the calories. And even if I have days where I'm eating other bad things, it's not like, it's not like I'm binge eating seven days a week and I'm working out seven days a week, like a fucking maniac. And here I am packing on weight, packing on. And it was the most frustrating thing for me last year that I'm just sitting there at the mercy of my own body saying, I'm not understanding what I can do. And my trainer at the time was like, you need to stop like doing all these high intensity workouts because your stress levels are so high and it affects your hormones. So when you're in fight or flight and then you go into an aggressive workout, your body will store. It's like counterproductive of all of your goals, but no, what does she know? Why, why would I listen to her? She like, I, I've lost weight before. I know what I need to do. I need to work harder. I'm not like, I'm not good enough. Just like beating myself up. And then finally, one of my girlfriends called me out, um, this year. And she was like, have you read the book in the flow yet? I've asked you to read it for two years. And I was like, No, no, I haven't. And I read in the flow and it talks about women from the time we are like, when do we do our first reproductive class? We're like 10. Mm -hmm. You are told as a woman, you, you're going to bleed once a month and it's your fucking curse. And that's what it's like. Congratulations. You're a woman. You have your period. Mm-hmm. No one talks about health studies all being around men. No one talks about their circadian clock Like our whole day is based around 24 hours clock, the circadian clock, which is for men when our cycles are 30 days. Mm -hmm. No one talks about how food can help reset your hormones or how like working out throughout different, the different phases of your cycle can help balance your hormones. And I literally started doing that a couple months ago and I was working out twice a week and all of a sudden I was less inflamed and I was Mm -hmm. like, what in the actual is going on yeah it's bizarre I look back at photos when I was when I was so stressed about my body but also just dealing with 
PTSD from Mm. the abusive relationship, the inflammation that I had in my body. And I didn't know that I also had a whole slew of autoimmune diseases at the time as well. Um, or I mean, still now, but I did, it was undiagnosed. Like I can see from the moment I started to dedicate my whole life to just healing and, and surrendering to my body, you can literally see my body deflate. Like I, it's not, it wasn't even like fat that was coming off. It wasn't weight loss, fat loss. It was literally me just saying, I surrender. It was saying, I surrender. I surrender my, my, all of my worries because my body is holding on to that. And my body knows that I don't trust it, even though it's like that best friend that you can't get rid of. Like it always loves you. It, it's always fighting for you, even if you hate it. It's so crazy. And just the human body is so beautiful. It's infuriating too. <laughs> Cause you're like, why are you fighting against me? I just want to be normal. <laughs> but it's us fighting our bodies. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it is just fascinating. So we went on a tangent, but let's let's bring it back to like, how did you know that this was, was it, a, was it natural for you? Like now this is your mission. Let's talk about how it became your job because I've been following you for over a year now. Your platform recently has just blown up, which is super exciting. And then let's also talk about normalized normal bodies. Yeah, so... Um... I had around 80,000 followers when I moved home and started the recovery process. And I had so much shame at that time. It took me about a month to be like, oh, like I, I had to make a decision. Am I going to share this recovery process, share my weight gain? Because no one really did that at the time. Like there were mm-hmm. no, like it, it was almost like Instagram and social media was oppressing that kind of content. And now there's more laws and, um, you know, restrictions put in place so that that is avoided. Um, But I remember just being so scared out of my mind, but I also remember just having that feeling in my body that I needed to do that because I had an obligation to those, like to everybody that had followed me um, that, that wasn't the way that mm-hmm. I was just a product of how, how consuming and negative the culture we live in is. And through that, uh, I, I think that's when I hit my most growth because people were like, oh my gosh, like, thank goodness. Like someone's going to say it. (laughs) Like I've been hating my body this whole time. And I'm like trying to to figure out what's going on. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I, I started the normalized normal bodies movement about six months into recovery. And I remember just like sitting on my, I was living with my sister at the time. Um, I had zero money because I had uh, said no to all of the partnerships that I had. Um, Cause they were supplement companies, weight loss companies, like just brands that didn't align with my journey anymore. Mm-hmm. That was really scary. Cause I had zero income. 
Um, and I was just sitting there and I was, I had just gotten out of a therapy session and a uh, dietitian appointment and I was emotionally exhausted and I was sitting there in a bikini and I was coming up with a partnership photo shoot with uh, a company that felt really aligned. And I had a letter board in front of me and with all of the emotional like, exhaustion I felt, I was just like, why can't the world just normalize normal bodies? And so I wrote it down on the letter board, took a photo, and then it just took off. And I had no idea what was going to happen. And no um, hashtags, like that hashtag did not exist. Yeah, no, the hashtag did not exist um, at all. And uh, yeah, but it was like crazy how fast it blew up. I the image went viral on Facebook, um, uh, Pinterest, um, uh, Visco, Instagram, like pretty much any social media platform, the exception YouTube. Um, but it was then that I realized that like, this was bringing people together because it wasn't just my story and my frustrations. This phrase was giving people the microphone to speak up about their own past and to, to surrender to their body and, and to speak up in a world where we're taught to quiet down. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's, that's where it went. And then I'm and then so Billie grateful. Eilish uses it. Yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> wait a second. I was just, I was scrolling on Snapchat and I was like, hold up. Hold up. <laughs> like she said that. <laughs> yeah. So crazy sorry I'm just sitting I'm like wow (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh and I'm so grateful that it's become like a household phrase because that's how that's how movements start like Mm -hmm. it's I started it but it's it's all of our it's it's all of our journeys you know but you also you had a mission and a purpose and I think that's the biggest takeaway from this because sometimes we really hold on to the ideas or we have possessions over things that are ours but you're just like, this doesn't exist. And like, this is my, this is my reason. Like, this is how I'm now choosing to show up for the world. And I'm going to do a better job myself. I don't care if anybody else does it, but I'm going to do a better job showing up for myself and helping show other people that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And that's how a movement starts. Like you gave people hope and you gave people a, a uh, an outlet or a resource or a way to just, you built a community and that's really, really, that's really nice. And then, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, It's so awesome. Just logging on and seeing all of it. Uh, sorry, keep going. (laughs) No, it's okay. It's okay. We see a lot of, we hear a lot about the media setting unrealistic beauty standards for women. We're expected to look a certain way and how consuming it can be or it is. Um, and maybe it's because I'm a female, so I'm consuming more content for other females. But someone specifically said, or asked me to bring this up with you about why is it, why do you think it's not as vocal for men? There, it's, yeah. Um, I think I started to notice this um, in like halfway through my recovery because I was living with my sister and her husband at the time and I w- was talking about my recovery process and and how social media had a big part in that and 
my sister's husband started talking about how like he was having um that how he has had body image issues and how it still affects his life and I was and I asked him I was like why like why don't men talk about that mm-hmm. and it's just I I'm sure there's a, a deeper like description on or meaning why but the what he said was because of the societal pressure to just be strong Mm -hmm. to be strong all the time to to not let anything affect you to not show emotion to to just push through things so your guard isn't down Mm -hmm. um and I feel like societal pressures happen with with all genders you know Mm -hmm. like there's so much to try to live up to because with social media one trend could happen and it could take off and that's new that's new standard you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) actually I saw I think is it Rihanna yes the her uh her shopping it's Rihanna right uh yes I believe so yeah, I yeah. was like scrolling through it and I and she has like was it lingerie? I think it was like lingerie and yeah. underwear. And it was every single body type for women and men. And I was just like it's crazy when you see something for the first time because it actually gets you to slow your scroll. And you it's in that moment whether you think you have biases or you don't. It's in that moment it causes you to stop scrolling where you're just like, "Whoa, and it's because I haven't seen that before. But then you're like, okay, hold on. Why did I why did I think that was so shocking? And it I do think and not even think. I know it goes both ways because we see it in our biases of what, how we find men attractive. Mm-hmm. But if a man were to say what he wanted to have a woman be attractive, all of a sudden there's a bigger uproar of women being like, well, that's not realistic. But it's like, we kind of do the same thing for men. Yes. I will say it's not as altering. It's not on the same level, but it's not on the same level, but yes, you are completely right. Like no one has the right to make a judgment, you know, like Mm -hmm. no one has a right to, to have these biases. Um, But unfortunately like women have been oppressed for like ever for generations (laughs) and generations. (laughs) Um, And men love to take advantage of that in any way possible because they don't understand it. They could never because they haven't experienced it. Um, and it's, it is a vicious cycle because we're just, we're, we, uh, my dietitian, this, this sentence that I'm about to say, um, changed my life forever. She said, the first thought we have is not our own. Mm-hmm. And that like when you were born, your first thought was never your own. It, it was absorbing other people's thoughts and opinions. And it's, it's so interesting to think that way because if you look at your friend group and you look at the people that you, you are hanging around, you're like, you are your friends. You are who you hang out with. You are the type of media that you consume. Mm-hmm. And so when, we're, when we focus on mainstream media all the time and we don't, rewrite the narrative ourselves and follow people who are um in marginalized bodies and marginalized communities and like be able to be friends with 
people with um, lower income and, you know, or higher income, just have diversity within your circle of people, you start to realize that you do have all of these biases, Mm -hmm. like just by just by living, because we're taught to just fit inside Mm -hmm. of this little bubble. And that's what, you know, that's what society wants us to do, you know, not pay attention to marginalized folk. Um, Have you read the four agreements? No, I haven't, but I have heard of it. Download it. It's like, you can listen to the whole book in like two hours. I I do audiobooks, um, and I'm not going to speak too much on it because a podcast um, that you guys probably already listened to. um, I went on a tangent about it, but it's so amazing where it basically talks about how we live in a dream state. And I know when you hear me say that for the first time, you're just like, whatever. Like it's a little out there, but it literally talks about like, we live in a dream state and we get like rules pushed on us and ways to live and all of these things get thrown at us. But when you're younger, that's how you like, quote unquote, learn how to live. And you start growing up in all of these boxes and all these patterns and all of these rules. And they basically talk about how you can deconstruct that and then how you can rewrite that pattern. And then as you hear words come in, you choose that gets my attention. Like that, get, that gets weight or that doesn't mean anything. Cause as soon as you accept something and you give it weight, it literally becomes you. And I relate to it so much. Cause like the word fat for me, they talk mm-hmm. about like black magic and white magic in terms of the power of the word. And he was like, if someone calls you fat and you believe it, or you call yourself fat and you believe it. And he's just like, you then, you then become it. It, it eats away at you. Your whole mm-hmm. life is shaped around it. I recommend, I highly recommend reading it to anyone who's listening. It's like a quick, quick two hour listen. Yeah. That sounds so interesting. I'm, I just wrote it down on my phone. Um, I, so <laughs> sorry, so off topic, but um, I have been listening to way too many uh, crime, po- true crime podcasts <laughs> that it's like seriously affecting my day and I had to like limit myself. So this is great for me to have to listen to outside of true crime because just reverse I was the effects. Feeling, yeah. I was feeling so negative and I was like, I wonder why. Oh yeah. Because you're literally listening to crime from the moment that you wake up until you go to bed. So that's not healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Just like always on edge. That's so funny. Um, Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about our favorite thing ever. Can you guess what it is? Okay. Unsolicited advice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I think I know what it is. Let's talk about unsolicited advice. It's uh, with acne, with with any, anything, with anything, with anything. <laughs> with anything. Oh I okay, I get it, but I don't get it. I get I it because get it. yeah, <laughs> okay, that's fair. It's just because people are coming from a place of like, I think I can help you, but the thing that people don't realize is I didn't ask, and. It's like an unspoken boundary. Unless I specifically ask anybody, like sometimes it's like you're in a position where you actually are just open to sharing because someone's going to relate to that journey. So you are sharing for the purpose of opening up to tell a story. You are not inviting someone in. 
it's like it gets so insane sometimes it's like I'll take a story when I wake up and someone's like have you tried this and I'm like okay can I just say like good morning Mm -hmm. and when it comes to I didn't it really fully understand the effect the negative effect it had on me until I started opening up about my body and about acne Mm -hmm. people need vulnerability but it's like oh I feel like I can help it's it's not it's not for your personal gain it's for their own personal gain yeah yeah and you know like someone said something on the internet about a month ago and they said um they what did they say they said uh how come they said sorry um we allow dogs to sniff our hand we like we crouch down to have them like get to know you before training them before like (laughs) getting to know them why don't we ask for permission to do that with humans you know like why why don't we have that boundary because dogs don't have egos and humans do (laughs) yeah yeah um but I was like oh oh you're right (laughs) but it just pissed me off I I, like why why can't humans respect and it's like it's our inherent it's the ego we always just there's that self that we feel like we need to to fill avoid or something my favorite thing about unsolicited advice, the fact that I had, to, and I know you do this too, and I won't even compare the magnitude of messages I get to what you would get <laughs> in a second, but I've noticed myself, you, a lot of other people have had to literally write no unsolicited advice. Okay, that's fine. You've now openly set a boundary. Maybe before I didn't set that boundary, maybe before I didn't have to, but now I've clearly asked you respectfully that I'm not interested in your advice. Please, someone please tell me, did you just stop reading magically at that sentence? Or like, did you just think that maybe that didn't apply to you? What is with the boundary bulldozers that think that, oh, I'm just going to go send it. And then when I'm like, hi, thank you so much. I actually respectfully asked for no unsolicited advice. All of a sudden tables turned. I'm the bitch. I get blocked. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to help. Fuck you. This. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. Like even just kindly asking like, hey, I just wanted to say I like just no unsolicited advice, please. And then they literally just say fuck you, you know? It's, it's wild. Like, what? Uh, and yes, and, and just because you're asking, I have tried washing my face with Cetaphil. Okay. <laughs> I... <laughs> I have, we have I've, tried everything under the yeah. sun. Thank have you, you tried proactive? Have you tried apple cider vinegar? Have you tried this? Have you tried not eating dairy? Have you tried dipping your head in a bathtub full of fucking acid? You're like, <laughs> can, you, can you just leave me alone? Or it's like one person was like, fine, it's your liver. And I was like, what? I didn't ask you. And just so we're clear, and I do get it. It's the first drug that doctors will push on you. They give it out like candy. And yes, I, I said no to Accutane for three years because I didn't, I do take it seriously. I do understand that it comes with side effects. I didn't want that to be the first thing in my body. And if it want you wanted it to be the first thing in yours, that's also fine. But the thing is, is that I went through a journey in the, the healthiest way I knew possible to see if I could 
help my body from the inside out. And I fucking couldn't. It was my Hail Mary. It was my surrender. So yes, like I do mind (laughs) when you ask me if I looked at what the fucking symptoms are. Yeah, because we've spent our pretty much our whole entire lives trying to figure out what was wrong with our bodies. And like, it turns out that it, regardless of what social media says or what any person on the internet says or article says, it, it, it's the majority of the time acne is either because of a chronic illness or because it's genetic. It's not because of what you eat. And that's what, or, or like, you're dirty whatever or <laughs> yeah like people don't understand that yes it 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 is it can be logical to think that what you eat and how clean your face is will affect you know your skin but that has like one percent of that's like one percent of the cause of yeah acne. it's like I went gluten-free and dairy-free I didn't mm-hmm. have a couple of new zits for a couple of days. And then guess what came back with the vengeance? It's because it's my hormones. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I have a hormonal condition. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah. It's, <sighs> even when I say no advice, people are like, have you tried this? Like, it'll be like in bold in my caption. And then like, just comments will flood in with advice. And I'm like, What? Yeah. Like genuinely what? It's it's so hard to turn off to not want to clap back at every one of those comments. And now I'm just like, it, it, unsolicited advice comments to me are like, they have the same weight as the like, hey, gorgeous, want to collab? DM us at our yep. main account. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're oh, basically gosh. the same weight. It's just people not putting any thought into what they're writing and they're just posting it on your wall. Um, but if you're listening, I will say on the other side of that, I've been someone who's given unsolicited advice. I'm sure everyone has at some point. Yeah, I have and to. yeah, we, it's because we're coming from a place that we want to help. But next time you're in a situation with friends, with family, with some, a stranger online, one of the great tools that helped me was like, okay, ask myself what I'm trying to get out of sharing that with them. And after that, if I'm still feeling like I want to move forward with it, Ask that person, hi, are you open to feedback? Hi, I think I have a suggestion for you. Are you open to that? And if that person says yes, then feel free to share. If that person says no, it's not, don't take it personally. It's not about you. Mm -hmm. Honestly, not giving advice to people who didn't ask for it um, has been huge in my self-growth over the years because Mm -hmm. it, it, it forces me to to reflect on my own actions and how it affects other people um yeah it's a great self-care practice even though it it is like it's it's difficult rewriting the narrative that you have yeah it's all it's all habits that need to be unwired Uh, (laughs) I just need it I feel like we needed to throw that in because I know more of like a bonding (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a bonding moment for unsolicited advice for me. Okay, last thing that I want to talk to you about before we head out. I want an update on your TikTok scandal. And oh. <laughs> oh you can't see Vic, she's rolling her eyes. Um, I, if you're listening to this from the first for the first time, you have no idea what's going on. Just give us the Coles notes. So I started TikTok um, uh, like six months ago. And I, my videos just started like blowing up 
and that was great. Um, however, since I gained 800,000 followers on TikTok in a very short amount of time, like my videos started being flagged. Mm-hmm. Um, now, for those who follow me and for those who don't, like, you know that I, I'm not like a, I don't do anything inappropriate. <laughs> like I'm no. just like, love your body. Like eat food if your body is telling you to eat food. And now, or then it got to a point where I couldn't even post a video without it being under review. And I was like, what in the heck is going on? I reached out to TikTok. I started t- tagging them in my Instagram stories. They reached out. They were like, we'll get you contacted with you know, one of the people on our support team had a call with them and I recorded it because I knew I was like, I need to have this whole thing documented just in case. Um, and I asked them about their community guidelines. And at the time it was, you know, don't like, it literally said clearly in their community guidelines to, um, not show people with lower income to not like show or promote, um, people with, uh, what you know skin issues oh yeah to not show anybody in a larger body to oh yeah it was you can look it up in their community so tiktok in their community, community guidelines. guidelines yes um and so I was asking this person and she was like oh no that's like not true I was like um I'm reading it right now it's like I'm reading it on the app and I'm also reading it on the internet from your own site. And she was like, well, we don't. And then she started like uh, stuttering in her words. And I was like, that's, that's beside the point now. Why can't I post my videos? Why can't I help people? And she was like, well, we don't really like flag videos or flag accounts. And I'm like, that is not true because I cannot post a video right now without you monitoring everything that I do. And I'm not even doing anything bad. There are videos out there sharing horrible things, sharing how to lose 20 pounds in a week when that's not even possible, telling people how to, you know, like all of these unhealthy habits when I'm literally just saying, it's okay if you just trust your body. Like, what about that is bad? And I was getting frustrated on the phone. Again, I had it recorded and, um, you know, she blamed it on AI and then she was like, stuttering on her words again and she was like no and then we have people like we have our support people in person like making sure that this doesn't happen and I was like you know what like I'm gonna get off of this call because I'm not having any like I don't see any solution here Hmm. and um I was just holding on to that phone call and I was trying to push through uh with TikTok and you know some of my videos were doing well and now they're not they're like it's I post it and then it's under review, post it under, under review. And none of my content is like doing well at all. Like it's, it's the craziest thing ever. And, um, I, about three months ago, the New York post came to me and, um, they were going to interview me for one of the pieces that they were doing about TikTok community guidelines but then I was like you know what I've been holding on to this phone call I'll just give it to you like I don't I don't mind and um they got a hold of it and then like 
shit went down. <laughs> like, this, this article blew up and it started a frenzy because they went um, and talked. They, they asked for TikTok um, to give them like a comment on the article. They said nothing or they said it wasn't true. And I'm like, you like I have like there's no saying that it's not true because I'm I literally recorded the call um so yeah I, I feel like I'm just at constant war with that platform and it's not fun and has anything come from that have they updated the guy is it still in the guidelines um I don't believe it's in the guidelines anymore um they because it it the platform what was or is still owned by ByteDance, which was like TikTok used to be Musical.ly, which I mm-hmm. never, uh, I didn't understand what Musical.ly was, but it, it, the platform changed into TikTok. Um, and so it, it was a Chinese company or it still is, I'm not quite sure. Um, and because of the whole frenzy, um, because people in the United States, the UK and Canada started to catch on, to everything um they were like well people are not downloading tiktok anymore they're deleting tiktok because of this which they should have um and so they changed the community guidelines and now more representatives in the u.s um are like present in la and stuff so I, that's the farthest i know i know i don't even know like at one point u.s the u.s banned tiktok and so i'm not even sure if that's a thing like i don't even know if people in the u.s can download it still like i'm not sure yeah because i thought that was going to happen around quarantine and it was blowing up and then there was this whole thing that like tiktok was going to be gone unless like an american company bought it or something had happened but then it was okay i don't know i'm now i'm just spreading rumors i really don't do not quote me <laughs> well, no i that's exactly what happened and then pro- something probably happened since then it just wasn't publicized the last time I heard um or the company Oracle bought or had who knows whatever I don't know what's happening with TikTok and it's really annoying me because videos that are promoting very unhealthy things are blowing up um and mine are like it's 0.5% of my following are seeing my videos when that's not that's legitimately not how the algorithm in TikTok works Mm -hmm. No. And it's like, I, I saw, read someone comment on it on one of the feud posts or things you had posted about. And they were like, well, why don't you just stop posting about it? It's like that defeats the whole purpose of the movement is mm-hmm. stopping. Mm-hmm. Like it's everything yes. against your mission of trying to normalize bodies. Yes. Now there is a silver lining. Um, over there's been over 220 million views on um normalized normal bodies hashtag within tiktok that is a win that i will take any day because that it's people sharing their stories Mm -hmm. now did you trademark that i did amazing and that's how did like shop common stem from that um yeah i uh shop common started in august it started a long time ago, but it went live in August um, because I wanted people to be able to have conversation starters from what they were wearing and what they stood for. And that's what normalized normal bodies is about. 
And I'm a firm believer that change happens one conversation at a time. And um, I just wanted to open that avenue for people to talk to their families, talk mm-hmm. to their friends and talk with themselves about what is going on in the world and what is going on internally. Yeah. I love that. So for everyone listening, let's say someone's kind of where you were three, four years ago, or people that are just like struggling with their body or how they see themselves and how they maybe haven't like looked at their habits or what they're consuming. Like for anyone who's kind of struggling with how they view their bodies right now, what are three really easy things that someone, men or women, can start implementing like right this second? Number one, unfollow everybody on social media that makes you feel like crap. That says nothing about them. It just Mm -hmm. means that you're working on yourself. Um, And it's okay to unfollow people in real life as well if they are sucking the energy out of you Um, because that plays a huge role. I don't know. (laughs) I call them energy vampires because they just like, it's just drain the energy out of you. Um, And number three, um, start having conversations with yourself and, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't need, when I say start having a conversation with yourself, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be like, okay, Meg, like what's the next step? It could literally just be sitting in silence and letting the answer come to you because we don't have the answers. It could be our body. It could be like a sign from, um, you know, the universe or whatever, whatever you believe in, it could just come to you. Um, don't force anything on you. I love it. Thank you. That was two things. Do you have one more? Oh shit. Really? <laughs> oh. Um, I was like pausing. I'm like, <laughs> clearly I know math. Um, and you know, the third thing is, um, to not force yourself to work out, like give yourself rest um, and ask yourself what kind of movement is, is going to be the kindest thing to your body in that moment, whether it's walking outside, whether it's biking, um, whether it's uh, channeling your inner child and, and doing things that you enjoyed when you were young, um, swimming, you know, gardening, dancing, whatever feels good, just do that. Don't Mm -hmm. focus on what you think movement actually is. Okay. So before we wrap, why don't you tell us what you're working on and how people can connect with you? Yeah. So I have, um, so many launches coming up with shop common. Um, and I also have a 30 day body weight workout program that incorporates dancing and activities that are that promote kindness to your body and not forcing any, you know, real structure, even though it gives you recommendations. Um, the community is great. There's over 15,000 women in the support group. Um, and um, yeah, just social media. You can find me um, at McZazon, M-I-K-Z-A-Z-O-N on all social media forums. And I'd love to connect with you. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for recording with me today. I got so much from the conversation. And for everyone who is listening, if you do not already follow Mick, I highly, highly, highly 
encourage you to go check out her page and also stalk all of her dog videos. <laughs> That's my only request for you. More dog videos, more videos of blue. More dog- yeah, you'll, you'll start to get confused between Charles and blue. I even get confused. <laughs> Thanks girl. Bye. Thanks for listening to Unfiltered. Be sure to visit alipantucci.com slash podcast to join in on the conversation, access the show notes, and discover any additional content or resources that we talked about on today's episode. And remember, if you like what you heard today, hit subscribe to make sure that you don't miss out on any future episodes.